Hey, Ivan, come here real quick. I want to talk to you. Sup, little doc? Man, screw you. Not even down. Can you just be serious for one second, please? Why? Because I have something I want to show you. I'm scared. I'm not surprised. Well, I'm not surprised either, but you don't have to be scared. It's cool, man. Hey there, little man. Oh, what's up? Lincoln came to join us. Saida's cat. You know, Saida, the one that trains at MMT Fitness, the PKB champ? Yeah, something like that. But Ivan, never mind all that. Come here real quick. I want to show you something. Alright, so behind this door is what I want to show you. I'm scared. You don't have to be scared, bro. What if I told you that fucking Jennifer Lopez was on the other side of this door? You got a fat ass. Right? Oh, yeah. Alright, see? But it's not her. Why? Because it's something better. It's dope is dope. I have a smoke. No, not that either. But here we go. Are you ready? Warrior. That's right. You know what that sound means. That means MMT has survived the coronavirus. Yeah! We are back. We are back in action as of last Friday. So get your ass back in the gym. Thank you guys so much. Anybody and everybody that stuck along for the ride and helped uh, continue to support the gym, even during these tough times, it's because of you that you have a home to come back to. So thank you guys so freaking much. It means the world to us. And yeah... Um, it means a lot to me if you can continue to get your friends and other family members to come in, take their first free class, as always, at MMT, uh, because the more people we get to come back and the, the more the gym can bounce back, the sooner I'll have a job, because as of right now, we're going to keep the skeleton crew going and just uh, make sure that we can get, continue to get through this like a lot of other gyms and places haven't. Um, so, again, thank you so much. We absolutely couldn't be more excited to be back playing punch face i i myself haven't been back there i'm coming back this next week to get some training in um but yes please um I exit avery parkway first class is free I, I, it's been a while since I've been able to say that but again check out mmt fitness at, um mmt fitness on instagram for any kind of updates but we are holding um some classes at, i believe it is at 8 30 and 10 is the two times for the classes nate Yes, sir. And then uh, 7 to 2 on the weekends as of now, nine, uh, 5 a.m. to 9 p.m. during the week. But uh, seven days a week, guys, get your ass back in there. And thanks again, MMT. We back, baby. So, Nate, brother, how you doing? Uh, Sunday, another beautiful day. Had some awesome fights. Um, lived up to, you know, over overachieved, actually, with, you know, these lesser quality, as some people say, cards. Always seem to... Uh, Turned out with some exciting fights. I think the first three or four fights were all first-round finishes. Yeah. Uh, super. Like we said on the last episode, is these are the ones to watch out for because uh, these are the guys that are just not really well-known and got something to prove and want to earn their way up in the rankings. A lot of guys are hungry, and, and it's kind of like watching NCAA compared to the NFL. If you meet a lot of football fans, a lot of people prefer to watch the NCAA over the NFL uh, just because of the fact that uh, they, everyone's got something to prove. Once you make it to the big leagues, you kind of settle down. You play with the pros. You made it. Got nothing to prove. So, uh, you know, there's some there's some theory there. So, like, again, this card had a lot of first-round finishes, uh, exciting fights. We had a couple of fillers since a couple, like, two, one or two fights were canceled. Yeah. But overall, a, a great fight. And in the main event, we got a, a great performance by uh, Calvia, who went up and way to, to have a dominating performance, did very well. Uh, I'm excited to talk about him. Yeah, absolutely. As you alluded to, there was some interesting last-minute weight cutting and weight, just weight cutting, and people fell fell off the card altogether. Issues on Friday, the day before the fights. Uh, it always seems to be that there's some sort of drama. Um, and yes, Jessica, I, which I'll try not to harp on too much in this uh, episode, but 
She herself has put out videos criticizing people of being unprofessional for missing weight, and she's actually done it more than once, including when she's now being uh, given a spotlight uh, for the main event, number one contender. Uh, it's interesting, and to say the to say the least, that she ended up coming in over uh, weight again. And um, I think that plays into the overall way that the fight played out, and we'll get into it in just a second. But as you alluded to, the the night lived up to uh, a lot of our expectations and then some uh, some of the early finishes on the card. I'll just touch on them real quick because we're not going to go too, too in-depth on all the uh, individual fights here. We seem to spend too much time on that and don't give us ourselves enough time for the breakdowns. But our boy, we cannot not mention, we forgot to make this connection last week, but Christian Aguilera. Yeah, I was like, I know Christian. I've been to him a few times. I've seen him, you know, around at the gym and, and at other fight events. And he, I know he yes. changed the classic and with Blake. And I was like, yes. I know Christian. And then I didn't know he'd fight on that card. Man, Su- underdog. Successful UFC what debut. Awesome, what an awesome debut. He was absolutely uh, overlooked and undervalued in the sports books, which I reached out to Blake on Saturday morning, and he said, I think he's going to knock him out in the first round. Put your money on the beast. And uh, thanks, Blake. Uh, I might owe you a little bit for that. Owe you a dinner or something. But Anthony Hivey was highly touted. He was uh, on DraftKings. He was $9,000, and Christian Aguilera was like the second to most least expensive, rather. So that's how the, they kind of uh, trail the odds and the odds makers were counting Christian out man he came in there and you look sharp yeah really sharp, sharp as hell good. touched him up in the first round you could tell With Anthony an overhand did not jab. like it overhand a jab yes. rocked him and then just finished him against the cage and Beautiful. Ivy just buckled and it was just over oh she you know? wrote he wouldn't get back up. He wouldn't fight back, and it was just Donskis. So keep an eye out for this guy. First fight in the UFC. He's already, uh, you know, showing people to watch out for him. So congratulations, Christian. Great fucking job. And then Tyson Nam comes out. Uh, we've talked about him in the past and how he's one of those fighters that has uh, glimpses of greatness but can't seem to always be consistent. But tonight he just put uh, he put it on Adeshev. Sorry, I'm trying to pronounce this guy's name. Zaruk Adeshev. And in the first round, 32 seconds of the first round, uh, why don't you explain real quick the sequ- the inning sequence, and then we'll move on to the next one. You know, he got sockied, man, and I hate saying he got sockied. Uh, when I say sockied, you guys don't remember, Gokhan Saki is one of my favorite kickboxers of all time. I love his style. Um, but Gokhan Saki had a second fight against Khal- Khalib Roundtree in the uh, UFC, and uh, off of a back kick, he got overhand-righted and just got starched. Um, and uh, this is the exact scene that happened to uh, pronounce his name for me. Adeshev. Adeshev. You know he's a glory. He's a multiple-time world champion, uh, kickboxer, K1, and he was in Glory, uh, and was highly touted to be a great striker. And came in. Same thing happened, man. Uh, off of a back left inside kick, uh, Tyson Nam just countered with an overhand right and just starched him. Finished him on the ground, probably identically identical to what happened to Saki. Um, and we talked about it a little bit earlier, excuse me, um, about how a lot of these kickboxers are coming in, especially for us being uh, kickboxers. I would say I would say we're Thai fighters, but you know, for most people, who don't understand what Muay Thai is. When I sometimes when I describe Muay Thai to someone who has no idea what you just it is, say kickboxing. I say it's kickboxing because I easier. feel like when I say Muay Thai, they think it's some crappy martial art karate not karate but like some weird taekwondo not, not taekwondo but like kung fu crap and i'm like no it's like kickboxing but with knees and elbows it's way more brutal than you could ever imagine but you, you these guys get comfortable throwing kicks and sitting in the pocket with their head straight on line and you can't do that man especially getting hit you can't afford to take a shot with a four ounce gloves especially from a guy who's known to have hard hands like tyson nam um tyson nam we talked about had a had tough fights. He had Kai Car France, who was a uh, from New Zealand, I believe, and he was a highly 
Uh, he was big over there, and, and a lot of people in New Zealand were praising him and wanting him to get in the UFC. He fought uh, Tyson Nam, and Tyson Nam had a great test. Also fought Sergio Pettis, lost to a decision, lost to a close decision with uh, uh, Kaikar France. And he, Tyson Nam now facing the savage kickboxer. He's, been, he's always been tested, man. Um, and, you know, it really shows his uh, colors, man, and I'm proud of him, dude. He deserved that win, and he's a great striker. He's got power. He's well-rounded. I'm, I'm glad to see him shine. Yeah, a lot of kickboxers, myself included, you're going to get used to the size gloves you train in. So The four-ounce gloves make a huge difference. If you man. go out there and just your defensive uh, framework and the things you normally do to shell up, if you continue to do those things in, in MMA, four-ounce gloves, especially people who are who know what they're doing, they're going to wrap around your guard, they're going to go up the middle, they're going to be able to access parts of your chin and your head yeah. that you normally would have undercover with like a you know 14 or 16-ounce glove. So uh, Adeshev showed his greenness in terms of MMA. He's definitely, if you watch the highlight He's got great striking ability, good technical striker, but Tyson Nam was just ready. I mean, he just didn't look like he was going to be defeated that night. He came out, took care of business, short work for him. And then, uh, so the first one, Christian made it less than a minute. Tyson Nam, 32 seconds. And then Julia Avila dispatched Gina Mazzini in 22 seconds. It didn't, like, I was in the other room because I kind of knew what the outcome was going to be and I was taking care of something. And I heard Nate just, oh my God. And I was like, what? He's like, I don't really have anything to say about that. It was just a. Uh, I know what uh, it was an, uh, yeah. a flurry of accurate and inaccurate punches to just. <laughs> but what really hurt Gina is uh, in the clinch. Julia landed a very hard knee, and Gina buckled over. And Gina was as she buckled over, uh, Julia just pressed her with like hard one two one two uppercut one two one two until she got against the cage and just kept. She went like extremely ADHD mode on her. Um, not a lot landed, like three or four landed, but the thing was Gina just, the ref did good. He, there were three times the ref was like, hey, you need to defend yourself, Gina. Gina, defend yourself. Gina, stop, called it. Uh, Gina didn't react. You know, Julia kept hitting her, got on her like a swarm of bees. Uh, the, the overall factor in my mind and what really uh, made it hard for her to get up and defend herself is I think that knee really, really hurt her. Uh, she was buckled over and healed over, so I think she just, she she took a good knee and just couldn't get back up. Her stomach was messed up, and then, and that was all she wrote. So congrats. Uh, I know Julia's had a, a, a at least two or three uh, knockouts. I want to say it's three. I believe it's three. Uh, but Julia's had I think three knockouts in her career in her last couple of fights as a pro. Um, so I mean, she's the highly touted uh, uh, prospect. I just haven't seen much of her really. So, and for the display of striking that I saw, I can't tell you how great she is, how amazing she is, how rounded she is. But hey, she finished it quick against someone who's a veteran in the game. So, uh, congrats, That's only Julia. Second fight in the UFC, is yeah. It seems so. Yeah, no, good job by her. It was kind of one of those matchups that if you were listening to the word on the street, Gina Mazzini had been cut from the UFC previously and didn't even do that well in the one or two um, regional for regional fights that she had in the meantime. And it was kind of one of those things. I think she's a, she's local to, to Las Vegas. And they're so just, just they, they easy just, to fill. They re, yeah, they re-signed her for, I think, probably, I'm assuming, one fight just to kind of fill her up and hopefully yeah. get Julia a showcase matchup, which ended up happening. Um, it is one of those things. And uh, congratulations to Julia. But as you, as you pointed out, we haven't seen a lot of her. She only had two fights in the UFC. So we need to see her uh, against higher talent and kind of see how she holds up. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, it's we don't know at this point. So uh, the next fight, Marab Devalishvili, he is one of the situations. Ray Borg fell out. He had a last-minute uh, opponent switch to Gustavo Lopez. 
Um, man, I'm. This is one of those, just like in the last previous weeks, where a guy comes in on a short notice call against a tough opponent, and I just assume last minute challenge, uh, UFC experience, very, very little to none, that they're just going to get ran over. And this guy lasted, man. He ended up making it. He to looked decision. good. He, he was smiling the whole way. I don't agree with the stats there. He only threw 14. He threw a lot more. He was well, active the whole time. He just is, got taken down a lot. Well, when we were on this page, it only gives you significant. Significant? Strikes. Okay. Yeah. When well. you go on to the fight itself. It'll show you more depth. Let's just take a second. Okay. Well, doesn't matter anyways. The winner was Devala Valavala. Devalish Uh Yeah, he's just a tank, man. He he just such an explosive force. Uh, takedown after takedown. 13 takedowns out of 18. 72% takedown percentage. Uh, two submission attempts. 14 passes. Just a complete domination on the ground. And was more than capable on the feet. So I'm excited to see more of them. But Gu- Gustavo Lopez, um, uh, last minute, uh, just uh, went up in weight too. He's he's usually a little lighter, uh, and he looked phenomenal. He looked good. He was a game opponent, a tough opponent, so it was a good fight. But uh, like we said, Marab was going to come out with the victory. That's what we thought, and that's what happened. Yeah, it was. He mopped the floor with him in terms of the stats, but it was a closer fight uh, than, than the, the numbers show. Yeah, you'd have to watch it. Um, and Marab did everything he was expected to do to any opponent for that matter. But Gustavo's uh, chin, heart, his willingness to not give up, and then he has. Uh, I didn't know this because I didn't know much about him, but very. Uh, threatening jiu-jitsu skills off of his back so even some of the exchanges where uh, Marab was on top like he had to be careful he couldn't open up too much so yeah he was able to extend the fight and take it to a decision but um, I was I was very impressed with Gustavo so to your point we, you're looking forward to him fighting as an actual as actual weight class and with preparation yeah for so. sure Good for and that's like I said, like probably like the third or fourth fighter I've seen in the last few cards that's really earned some stock and earned my respect. And it's like when you see him come in on the last minute uh, fights and they fight up a weight class and they do well, it's like, all right, well now I'm interested to see you on a full camp down at your weight class. So good on you for that. And then uh, Hannah Cyphers, the another tough girl that she just had a quick turnaround five, a few weeks ago, ended up getting uh, rear naked choked in the what was this the first round as well by uh, Maria Agapova. Uh, Maria was just too much for too big. Hannah Cyphers, during her quick turnaround, she came up in weight as well because she had just recently cut weight to straw weight. So then this fight was at, um, I believe, flyweight. Yes, exactly. So um, Maria was very big, very long. I hit hard Mm -hmm. and just overwhelmed her from the beginning. Uh, We love Hannah. She's a tough tough girl she doesn't come to lose but this was she was just outmatched so yeah and then mark de la rosa ended up uh, losing to jordan espinoza there's a lot of similar names on this card we were talking about yeah. that yesterday but <clears throat> pardon me um de la rosa showed a good account of himself down the stretch but espinoza was way faster uh way um, more precise yeah, cleaner great, striking moving a lot yeah. utilizes moving a lot good quick jabs and was just uh, mark de la rosa had a real hard time getting out getting getting in the pocket and getting a hold of him and just couldn't keep up in the volume yeah and so he ended up uh winning a unanimous decision significant strikes 126 to 37 so he ended up outlanding him uh, significantly not to be redundant. Yeah. Um, but that takes us to the most exciting fight on the card, in my opinion, the one that we were looking forward to the most. Charles Jordan taking on Andre, Andre, Andre rather, Feely. And, man, was this a good fight. We knew it was going to be a potentially a, a long, close fight, war. Um, but, yeah, why don't you go ahead and give us your thoughts on this fight? This was my underdog pick. Uh, I'm really bummed because stats-wise, Charles Jordan threw 62 uh, significant strikes compared to Andre Feely's 44 and also had a first-round knockdown 
uh, almost had a finish in the first round. Charles Jourdain is a sharp up-and-coming opponent, man, and he faced a faced a savage, uh, a guy who's been in the game for quite a while, Andre Feely. Uh, Andre Feely made really quick adjustments after getting knocked down. Uh, was able to keep, you could tell Andre Feely definitely had more of, uh, at the longer range, a, a power advantage. You know, he had some stiff jabs and, and stiff one-twos and some good kicks. They were both throwing great combinations. Um, but what overall gave Andre Feely the victory is Andre is just a better mixed martial artist. Uh, had five takedowns and uh, five passes. He was successful on five takedowns. Um, and was just able each round to, to get a takedown, one or two. Uh, Charles Jourdain was able to get up, and but uh, it took him like a good 30, 40 seconds. So Andre Feely had uh, control for these in these positions and was able to uh, really submit himself. Uh, I guess, I would say not submit, but submit himself in the category as a overall better MMA fighter, if if I can use that word submit properly. <laughs> With on the ground, that's what I meant to say. Be a little smooth there, uh, but. Like you said last night, you know, what you were hoping on. I mean, Charles Jordan is my underdog, and he's a savage. He had a great fight against Du Choi, and obviously he's got great striking, great technical ability. He actually outstruck Andre Feely even on paper. Uh, but when it came down to the takedowns, Andre Feely just took him down like butter. So um, overall, Andre Feely won, was able to mix it up, uh, put his and, and use his mixed martial arts experience and uh, – put everything together, make the adjustments necessary, and, and got the win, split decision against Charles Jordan. Yeah, split, that's a good point. Uh, I went to the store after this fight, and then I looked up, and I was like, oh, yeah, it was a split. I mean, that's a rightful split decision. That was an awfully close fight. Yeah. Uh, I think Andre was actually a little bit bigger uh, than he normally is, which um, Charles Jordan has fought at 155, like as a, on a last-minute fight as well. So, like, he's not the largest 145er is what I'm trying to get at. Andre Feely has been in that weight class for a while, and he even looked larger than he normally he's does. Big, so, yeah. he had that long reach advantage. Um, he's got a killer jab, but, man, did Charles Jordan shut that down with what we teach at MMT to counter the jab with the leg kick, mm -hmm. a fast, hard leg kick every single time. Yeah. He was putting... Um, he was putting Feely off balance a lot of times when he was trying to work his way in with his jab. And, yeah, um, this being a mixed martial arts fight is the only way that Andre Feely ended up uh, having a path to victory because, um, to Nate's point, it, it was a he was outmatched on his feet. I, I said going into this that Charles Jordan is very, very fast and explosive, and he hits hard for his size, and uh, he, there's a very good chance that he could crack Feely. And, and depending on how it played out after that was really going to determine the way the fight went. If Feely tried to stick you know gut it out he's you know he's from the streets as he likes to say like if he should just sit in the pocket and just bang it out i felt like charles jordan would eventually get uh, get him you know what i mean put his lights out so when he faced a bit of adversity he got taken uh dropped rather in that first round i felt like he was winning that first round before he got dropped um but he was able to adjust and uh but man he was waiting till the end of the rounds too so i was like getting a little bit nervous i was like mm -hmm. man jordan is quick he's switching in and throwing like heat on the inside so Excuse me. I was worried for Feely that he was going to get cracked again and dropped again. But overall, um, as you said, when he was in really dire straits, he was able to get those takedowns, utilize some top control and a little bit of ground to pound. Not too much damage on the top, but just enough to show his experience, veteran savvy, and uh, mixed martial arts prowess. So mm -hmm. uh, good-looking Charles Jordan, though, and I'm looking forward to, you know, most people will improve a lot on, off a loss, even more so than a victory sometimes. So hopefully Jordan goes and sharpens up his ground skills and, you know, is able to keep it on the feet longer and showcase what he's good at. That brings us to our next fight, Charles Rosa versus Kevin Aguilar. Uh, Kevin Aguilar was definitely the uh, favorite of this fight going into the fight. Uh 
you know, Kevin actually came in looking. Uh, I didn't know much about Kevin other than what was on paper. Um, but uh, apparently he fights a weight class lower, and he came in with a little bit of flub, you know. Uh, but he had some power in his hands, but Charles Rosa did a real great job at um, keeping the fight at distance. People were talking about how his striking is kind of like a karate background. Even you hear his coaches yelling, Stephen Thompson, Stephen Thompson. You can hear him kind of making references uh, maybe to certain lengths or combinations or things like that. But Charles Rosa actually looked really good. Um, Charles Rosa was able to stay outside the range of Kevin Aguilar's power. He moved a lot, utilized his jab and his kicks very well. Uh, and really, Kevin Aguilar, to me, looked pretty slow, especially being a little heavier than he normally is. Uh, just wasn't able to get uh, close the distance, wasn't able to, to get things together. He definitely had more of the power there, but he just wasn't able to execute, I guess you could say, uh, to what he's usually capable of. So the underdog ends up winning uh, by decision. Uh, was it unanimous decision? No, this one ended up going to split as well. Split decision, yeah. yeah. It was close, but... And I felt like the damage played a lot of role in that because although Charles was being uh, patient and sticking to his game plan yeah. and his his path to victory, he was the one who took more damage throughout the fight. After this fight, if you just looked at the two guys and didn't watch the fight, you would have assumed Charles Rosa lost. Yeah. Just by the way, but, uh, busted up. You know, uh, overall, Charles Rosa uh, just was a little bit ahead in the striking department. And Ke I, to me, I just, Kevin Aguilar seems slower than normal. Um, couldn't put it together and was just really having a hard time kind of waking up. Uh, and in the later two rounds, uh, I was hoping that he would pick it up, pick up the pace, but he really just didn't pick it up. So, I mean, there's not much more I can say other than uh, he needed more volume. He needed more output. He needed to get in the pocket, and he needed to cut off Charles Rosa better with his footwork, and he, he needed to strike. He needed to start landing things. He needed to get ahead of the game. He needed to outscore Rosa, and it, it just wasn't happening. Uh, so, congrats. Yeah. We were talking about it. Charles Rosa seems to be win-loss, win-loss, win-loss. Yeah. And I mentioned this last week. Yeah. I said I should go with Rosa because the pattern is so he'll probably win this one based on his, his, his record and what things are going on, and I should have stuck to it, but, you know, I went with Kevin Aguilar. I went with what was on paper and just based on Charles Rosa's last performance. And you know what? You don't always win some. So uh, Charles Rosa wins, split decision. Uh, yeah. I think it was a good call. Overall, yeah. I think it was a good call because I watched the fight and I, I, I thought it went to Charles Rosa as well just by watching it. So Yeah. Kevin Aguilar, one last thing I'll say about this is in, in this recent COVID-19 situation with regards to martial arts, uh, mixed martial arts and fights and things like that, we've seen and discussed some people fighting up a weight class and things like that and taking last minute, whatever they can kind of, you know, scrum together. Um, but there's a difference between having to take a last minute fight and up a weight class because you're normally cutting a lot of weight and or just kind of you're not in the best shape. And for instance, like Charles Rosa just fought recently at his normal weight class of 145. And then after that, this fight was at lightweight, 10 pounds heavier. I think Aguilar, who's normally at 45 or like you mentioned, um, was at 55 or even higher. Um, before he got the call, and so he had to just suck out some water to make the weight, and it wasn't in the best shape. you got to stay ready in this game, especially for opportunities, last-minute opportunities. You never know what's going to come in these kinds of situations in this environment right now. So Kevin Aguilar, to your point, I think I've only seen him fight one other time. It was at 45. Even the picture that they showed of him in the tail of the tape. He skinny and jacked. Yeah. And he did not look like that in this fight. Yes. I was like, is that him? And he was like, yeah, it's the only picture they had of him when he was fighting at 145, and I was like... 
That's probably why he was a little bit slow tonight. So 100%, I felt like, played a role. And then Charles Rosa was able to stick to a game plan. There wasn't a crowd to boo. He knew um, on the in the pocket because of uh, Aguilar's power. And, you know, that's not where I'm going to win this fight. So he had to be patient, stick to a game plan, stay on the outside. Took some damage trying to get in and out, but ultimately ended up outpointing him. So win-loss, win-loss continues. Um, I'm lucky I kind of followed that win-loss pattern. Plus, it was an underdog point. So I ended up going with Rosa, and it worked out. I, I chose unanimous, I believe, so I didn't get the extra point there. But we'll recap those in a second. Marvin Vittori is our next fight. The co-main event ended up, uh, you know, releasing some demons. Yeah. In, in, uh, what, see that. What is it, like 50 seconds pretty much. Didn't even get go a full round. Um, ends up getting it to the ground and submitting Carl Roberson by a rear naked choke within the first round when I'm pretty sure I picked uh, Roberson for a sub myself last week. Yeah, so I'm going to eat crow on that one. But congratulations to Marvin Vittori, uh, training out of Kings MMA, ended up showing his uh, versatile skill set, not just with the yeah. hands and dominating, strikes. Dominating, dominating performance. So. But yeah, man, 45 strikes to four. He, you know, didn't even give Carl yeah, Roberson quick a finish. chance. Just took him down and just beat his face in. <laughs> yeah. And uh, all right, well, that takes us to the main event. We tried to get there quick because this one we do want to take a little bit of time on. Cynthia Calvillo, unanimous decision that went all five rounds, uh, overtook Jessica I. I think she won it probably four to one, if not at least three to two, but four to one is what my judge scorecard says. Uh, But yeah, man, why don't you go ahead and give us a breakdown on this one? Yeah, Cynthia Calvillo came in looking sharp, man. Um, Cynthia Calvillo uh, had some great jab, head, jab, body, just changing levels, good with her boxing. She likes to go to the body a lot with that jab, uh, which is cool. You don't see a lot of uh, fighters these days, uh, especially women fighters in particular, mixing it up like that until you get to like higher, higher levels. Like, you know, when you look at a, a Shipchenko fight, she's like legs, head, body. She, you know, so it was good to see uh, a little bit of boxing out of Cynthia Calvillo. High and lows, not just head hunting. She did a real good job moving. Uh, the one thing I, I wanted to touch on is I wish she threw more leg kicks because obviously she didn't have to worry about the wrestling of Jessica, especially with the, the grappling background that Cynthia has. So that leg was there after every jab because uh, Jessica was super heavy on her legs and really relying on her one-twos and her straight punches and her power. So I would have liked yes. to see more leg kicks from Cynthia Calvillo, a little more mixing it up there because she threw one and it was it was picture perfect it was great and i was like if you only threw more of that it would have even been a more dominating performance i think she could have chewed up jessica's leg um but uh at the end of the day 113 significant strikes compared to jessica i who only had 70 uh jessica i was just a little bit slower and uh, a little more harder to catch cynthia uh there were some good exchanges where jessica i did land but after the fourth round i don't think the power translated as well and cynthia had no problem sitting in the pocket but what overall what what set Cynthia Calvillo apart from just guy is the takedowns and just the dominating performance on the ground, which was impressive, especially for just guy missing weight, being the heavier and bigger woman, Cynthia coming up in weight and changing weight classes and also being the much smaller opponent, being able to out wrestle and just kind of dominate just guy on the ground was very impressive. It shows you the, the wrestling caliber and the grappling that uh, Cynthia Calvillo has. Uh, again, especially when she goes up and wait and fights the number one woman, Jessica I. Um, there were some good call-outs on there, but I think I'll leave that to Dustin to talk about. Uh, Dustin, what is your take on Cynthia Calvillo versus Jessica I? 
Um, everything you just said, I agree with. And also more, I think, if you look at the stats, this might be a, a observation more generally, not just particular to this fight. But um, sometimes you'll look at the significant strike count and compare it to a total strike count. And some fighters, just based on their style, there's no difference. It's 70 significant strikes and 70 total strikes, in this case for Jessica I. To your point, being a heavy boxing, or heavy boxing is like... Um, was more, you know, what her game plan was mm-hmm. was uh, revolving around. So she's going to be heavier on those legs and try to, to sit on her punches and extend with more power. So her leg was out there. I agree with you. I think Calvillo was uh, in position to chop that up a lot more than she did. Um, but maybe for some reason they were afraid of her getting countered over the top or something with a heavy punch. Because Possibly. to your point earlier in the rounds, uh, Jessica I's power is what uh, – what at least showed showed itself in terms of the disparity in weight and size. It seemed like Jessica's power was was a significant factor pushing Calvillo around at the beginning of the fight. Um, anyways, there's a lot to, to be said about it, but I just don't want to forget about mentioning this. When we pick our fights, we pick them on Sundays, right? And then so many things go throughout the course of the week that, you know, information comes out, people drop out, people miss weight, all kinds of things, which th- throughout the week, based on what I'm hearing and other things, I might start swaying my my pick to the other way, one way or the other. Uh, but with this one, even though I was starting to kind of drink the Kool-Aid in terms of Jessica I's power, she ended up coming in uh, heavy and missing weight. Now, we've talked about this on the show before. When you miss weight by like three and a half, four plus pounds, there's a certain point in the fight where you earn the weight cut that you're like, shit, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to drain myself past this. If they allow the fight to continue and I have to give them a fine or part of my purse, I might as well go in there feeling you know, somewhat healthy and being able to perform, right? Well, when you see someone that misses weight by like a quarter pound or like less than a pound, that means they were legitimately attempting it. They were doing every single last thing they could to get there. Pardon me. So my little greasy theory about this situation was that I felt that Cynthia Calvillo, we talked about her switching camps recently, but was with AKA. So, of course, it was going to be a grappling-heavy game plan. We we knew that she was going to have to try to get it on the feet at some point. And so with this missing weight, the fact that that could definitely have affected Jessica I's cardio in the long term of the fight. I knew AKA is a smart camp, and I knew they would see this. So my whole take on it was, if Cynthia Calvillo extends this fight in any way, shape, or form, she's going to win it. And that's what ended up happening. Nate and I both went with a fourth-round submission pick in our uh, in our picks for last week. And she almost got it. She almost got it in the fourth round. but And in the second round. Yeah, exactly. So, But she ended up doing exactly what she needed to do, showing that uh, a healthy weight class where she doesn't have to cut much weight, man. She's gritty. She can take a good punch. And she beat the number one girl. Yeah. And I mean, even Iris was confused about how Jessica I was the um, number one contender right now. But it's just the way it is right now at flyweight is it's Shevchenko and then everybody else by a mile. So we need some people to marinate and to kind of come and, and rise up out of these uh, lower ranks and become the next legitimate contender. And shit, man, Cynthia Calvillo, even though if she went in with Shevchenko right now, I think she'd get bombed on. Yeah. You know, is at least staking her claim to be someone to, to watch out for in the division. So good on her, man. Yeah. Uh, someone who did call her out was the, n- the number two, uh, uh, Ch- uh, Chukagan. That's right. Um, so I think that would be a good fight. I mean, at the end of the day, it's up to Cynthia because she'd be the number one girl. So I think Cynthia would be a more exciting fight than uh, Chukagan. But uh, at least good promote. F- but at least good for her, though. It'd That's, be good for you know her I mean? to get experience. Uh, the only way it wouldn't be good for her, which is just my theory, is the fact that... Uh, 
with Caitlyn's uh, experience that it might be a lot harder than Cynthia planned for. And if Cynthia loses, there goes a sure. shot at the title. Sure. Right. And she's got to work her way all the way up right now. She's got leverage. Uh, we saw how well so, uh, uh, Chikagin did against Antonina Shevchenko the other week. And mm-hmm. uh, she's a force a to be reckoned with on the domi- ground herself. Yeah, dominating performance. So, uh, you know, yeah, she just, she, yeah, it was poor Shevchenko. That's all I can say. <laughs> um, so, I mean, overall, I can see that. Right now, I don't think Cynthia uh, is nearly up to par with uh, Shevchenko. So I would say get more experience, get more training time, get more mat time, and you know start mixing up more in training and be prepared to face a real warrior. Um, you know, so who knows which uh, which way it'll go? Um, I think they'll they'll probably. I think uh, Chukagin would be another good fight. Uh, to, for Cynthia to, to get prepared for this uh, and at the same time allow the, the women's division still to grow and uh, to to see what else is out there and, and what talent comes in because there's constantly new talent and, and new women coming in. Uh, not nearly as much as the men's pool, but, uh, uh, you know, it's only getting bigger. So uh, we'll see where it goes. Yeah. I mean, it's tough. It's tough when you don't have a lot to work with in division. I mean, the cream rises to the top. And right now, um, Chukagian is basically saying, has shown that, okay, I can't beat the champ, but I can beat pretty much everybody else at this point in the division. And in terms of Cynthia's now new place in the division, I feel like good on her is that she gets the number two person to call right after she beats number one. So, um, you know, it's not like you know, we want interesting new matchups, people that we haven't seen fight each other yet. And so I think it just, it only makes sense. But especially if Chukagin comes away with the victory, then we're just right back to where we were in terms of the division. Um, it's Valentina, Chukagin, a far second, and then the rest. So it's, mm-hmm. you need that new fresh talent to come in. And it's, it's interesting because 25, uh, if 115 is the crazy division in uh, women's right now. And then 125, 135, 145 is like, is the more, I guess exciting has the the deeper division in terms of depth, like in terms of talent. Um, so it's just interesting where it, where the most talent kind of uh, I don't know pools in terms of the different uh, genders and the different divisions. But I mean, I I enjoyed the fight. I enjoyed Cynthia Calvillo versus Jessica I. Um, it wasn't I wouldn't say like the tip of the top, like you know tip of the spear, cream of the crop, elite, world class. Uh, MMA that we've seen before. I'm not trying to insult them, but a lot of people had criticisms of it being a main event, but I felt like them going all five rounds, Cynthia Calvillo having to kind of overcome that weight disparity, and I don't think I was alone in wanting to see Cynthia, uh, I'm sorry, Jessica, I lose this fight. You know, it ended up creating some drama and, and making it a fight night, you know, just yeah. what we would expect. So good on them. They did a good job. Yeah, great job. And uh, so that does it, man. I, I called it last week uh, the UFC Saskatoon because that's originally where it was scheduled to take place. But, of course, all these fights, um, anything um, on stateside has been going to be happening for the foreseeable future at the UFC Apex in Nevada. So my bad on that. But this upcoming weekend, we're also going to go uh, over some fights. Curtis Blades is taking on Alexander Vol- uh, Volkov in a, a heavyweight matchup also at the UFC Apex in that small cage. So that's going to be interesting. That's going to be like two trucks crashing yeah. on, a, on a on a crosswalk yeah but we're gonna get into that in just a second we're that was a horrible analogy for yeah, what'd you say yeah, on a crosswalk i meant to say on like a one-way street like a small street you know two trucks climbing on us most shut up <laughs> <laughs> well, well we'll get into that in yeah. a second we'll it's give gonna you... be like two greasy oiled up men in a sauna rubbing each other's bodies against each other 
Okay. That's what. Uh, oh, that's, yeah. I feel like that's what Fight Island's going to be more like because it's going to be 160 degrees even in the middle of the night. Yeah, but there. What is that? Dubai or Abu Dhabi? Yeah, it's. Yeah, that's Money Central. That place is going to have the best AC in the world. Are you kidding me? No, if you watch uh, Dustin Poirier versus Khabib at any other time, it's like barely completely uh, built. It's more like a tent than anything else, and that's uh, one of the reasons they're going to do it in the middle of the night to help with that. But it's even still 90 plus degrees at like two in the morning. So that's horrible. It's it's that's going to be a greasy fest. That's horrible. Uh, but guys, we're going to take a quick break, come back, recap the points for the predictions challenge, and then we're going to get into this fight card breakdown. Uh, there's some interesting matchups, so um, I'm excited to do this. So give me just a second. We'll be right back. All right. You guys know what that means. Predictions challenge. Predictions challenge. Recap. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was an interesting week. Nate and I both got some right. Both got some wrong. We both got a goose egg on Roberson. Roberson, however you say it. Um, let's see. Marab ended up. His uh, opponent got switched. So I mean. We don't. Calc- I'm not gonna calculate those points, even though we both picked them. So I don't know. It was an interesting week. Uh, Nate, before the fight started, ended up switching his to. I mean, he would have got an extra point. He was going Calvillo by decision, unanimous decision, which he ultimately got. But he switched it to a fourth round sub, going the same as me, because I think he thought, you know, eventually Jessica was gonna tire enough to, for Calvillo to be able to get the finish. But she didn't. So we both got two points there. I got the underdog point plus the uh, additional regular point for Rosa. And then I only got one point for Feely, but I got the point there. So, yeah, I don't know. Ended up rounding out the week. Let's see. Five to two. Me. And so Nate's at 78 and I'm at 83. So that's the predictions challenge for now, guys. Um, we got another one coming up this week, and we want to hear from you. We want to hear from you guys and see what we have to do. Uh, I don't know. Like, uh, uh, give me a suggestion. Give me a suggestion, Nate. What's an example of something we can do the loser of this thing? Uh, has to pay for a gift card for another giveaway. Oh, or okay. has to um, wash the other person's car. <laughs> there or we go. has to drink a whole gallon of milk. Just kidding. I'm, oh. not, I'm not doing that. <laughs> um I don't know. Has to take an open hand slap to the face. I don't know. <laughs> uh, Damn. Um, has to go to a gay bar and, and try to pick up a man. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't know. Um, there's a lot of things. Has to sit in the middle of the street and let four people chuck water balloons at him. I don't know. There's there's tons of stupid, silly things you could do. Um <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. That's. I, I have mean, to go out there and take a, a baseball bat to my mailbox. I don't know. <laughs> wow. And then I have to go buy a new mailbox. I don't know. Or I have, or someone has to jump in the recycling bin. I don't know. <laughs> it's just now he's just going off. I don't know. Or someone has to go like pick up a pile of dog poop with their bare hands. I don't know. Oh. Jeez. All right. Well, hopefully you guys have some better suggestions than that. Uh, it's been a while. We've had a few, but nothing that stands or, the test. Or the loser has to go get a spa day, like a massage or something. <laughs> hey, I'm, there you go. What do you mean? the lo- I'm going to start picking wrong if that's the... Or the winner has to pay for a spa day for, uh, for, the other person. for the other person and their spouse. All right. That's pretty good. 
Uh, all right, well, you guys keep some suggestions coming. Make sure to reach out to us on Apple and uh, iTunes, the podcast app. Please give us a five star review and give us feedback. Submit your questions. Submit your questions for content. Submit uh, if you want us to break down classic fights. If you want us to discuss potential future fantasy fight matchups, anything like that. We uh, we love the feedback, so keep it coming. But that does it for now for the predictions challenge. So we're going to get into the last segment of the show: UFC Fight Night Blades versus Volkov. Again, as I said, uh, obviously the main event is the heavy matchup between Curtis Blades and Alexander Volkov, which we'll touch on in just a minute, but just going down the card, starting at the bottom, there's a lot of fights. Joe Seleski versus Austin Hubbard. Our girl Roxanne Montefiore is taking on Lauren Murphy. Matt Frivola, Frank Camacho, Courtney Casey, Jillian Robertson, uh, Mark Barriot versus Oscar Patoja. Um, let's see, Tisha Torres coming back, taking on Brianna Van Buren, Clay Guida, Bobby Green. Uh, let's see, and then it takes us to the main card. Jim Miller, my man, Jim Miller, taking on our uh, the guy Roosevelt Roberts that's had a lot of success recently. He's been in the, uh, he was in one of the recent fights uh, at the Apex, I believe. Bilal Muhammad taking on Lyman Good, Raquel Pennington, Marion Renault, Josh Emmett, Shane Burgos is the co-main event, and then headlined by the heavyweights. So uh, let's see, let's go to the bottom real quick. Which fights do you want to make sure not to miss on the prelims? Um. Well, obviously, Clay Guida always puts on a fun little performance. So, Clay Clay Guida and Bobby Green's going to be uh, a fun one to watch. Um, uh, Roxanne Matafari, uh, for me, just for personality, I love watching her fight, and I, and I always she's always the underdog, so I always love watching her. She's actually the favorite in this fight. Uh, I, I know looked it that's up. great. That's yeah. that's so awesome. <laughs> um, but uh, Roxanne's been on a little tear. Um, I know Courtney Casey's been in for the girls' fight. I mean. For me, I'll probably pay attention to a lot of the women's fights just because I want to see how the divisions start. These divisions start to play out. You got Tisha. They actually got a lot of girl cards: Roxanne Montefiore, Courtney Casey, versus Julian Robertson. You got Tisha Torres versus Van Buren. Yeah, you got a. Pr- this is a pretty big card. This is actually a really big card. But uh, I mean, uh, honestly, they're all something to look forward to. Um, obviously, the first card, uh, Joel uh, Soliki, or Soliski. Um, is an up and cover Austin Hubbard. They're both they they both are pretty fresh and th- they'll probably put on that excited for exciting first fight. But um, I mean when it comes to like the main ones, I'm excited to see on the prelims just Roxanne and and Clay Guida. Yeah, um, it's it's one of those things. If you don't know them, maybe that's for a reason because we've talked about this. Lesser known guys come out have yeah. a name, have something to prove. But um, I'm looking forward to the Roxanne fight. I think just like you said, uh, we like watching her start to. Uh, gain her stride and have some success and uh, start to really put it together. So uh, interested to see if she can continue that streak. This fight, Matt Frivola versus Frank Camacho, I know is going to be an exciting one to watch. Um, I personally feel like someone's going out in this fight. Um, Courtney Casey Robertson, I feel like you said, is a good uh, fight for that flyweight division so we kind of see how things can shape up. Um, Clay Guida, as he's been around for a million years. The Carpenter always comes to fight. Endless gas tank. I feel like Bobby Green's going to put him out, though. So, I do, so. Uh, but, uh, you know, finishes are fun, so keep keep an eye out for those fights, as Nate mentioned. And then on the main card, I loved me some Jim Miller. Um, Roosevelt Roberts has looked really good as of late. We've broken him down and talked about him recently, so I think it's a really tough test for, for both guys, in fact. But that's an exciting fight I'm looking forward to. Uh, Bilal Muhammad and Lyman Good. I don't know what quite to expect. I know both these guys, but they're just so different in my opinion that it's going to be, it should be exciting to to watch it, how it unfolds. 
Raquel Pennington. I feel like I, I have to double check this, but I don't think like I don't feel like she's fought since her um, championship performance and loss to Amanda Nunes. Um, showed a lot of heart in that fight, and uh, you know, in getting to the finish. But Raquel Pennington, I, I like Rocky. I think she's got good power in her hands, and and I you know I always like what she fights. Uh, so her versus Marion Renault should be an interesting matchup. But this one. The main event and co-main event and the, and the Jim Miller one, I feel, are the ones I'm looking forward to the most. But Josh Emmett taking on Shane Burgos. Um, won't we start with this one, Nate? Won't you give us a, a little bit in depth on this? Oh, you know, I, I love Josh Emmett. He's a he's a good wrestler and, and he's a very powerful uh, striker, man. Uh, you know, um, oh man, sorry guys, I'm I'm looking at the stats here right now because I wanna I wanna go over these guys' record. It's pretty savage. So um, Josh Emmett. Uh, won against Arantes, beat uh, Lamas, uh, who is an excellent fighter, lost to Stevens, win versus Johnson, win versus Bektik. Um And then we go over and we look at Shane Burgos, win versus Pepe, lost versus Calvin Cater, who's a savage in the division right now, uh, win over uh, Holobog, win over Cub Swanson, and win over Mirakani. Um, these guys are actually both Great wrestlers. If you look at Shane Burgos, he's got 100% takedown accuracy, 90% takedown defense. So I don't think we're going to see Emmett try to do much wrestling here. I think Emmett's going to stick to that good old overhand, and, and it's going to. I think this fight's going to be fun, man. This is going to be such a tough fight for me to call because they, they're both savages. Um, my heart, though, my heart wants to go with Josh Emmett, um, only because I know what he's capable of. Uh, is he the underdog? Can you check sure. for sure. this fight? I would imagine he's the favorite, but I don't know. Let's see. It's hard because Shane Burgos says... Oh, yeah. He's plus 115 to the comeback on Shane is minus 135. Oh, so. man. Do I want underdog points? I need them. I need them. Because on paper, Shane looks way like a savage compared to Josh Emmett uh, when it comes to stuff. I, but I've seen Josh uh, Emmett perform more, and Josh is just a very powerful fighter, and it's been a while since he's fought. Uh, I know this is. I have a feeling somebody's going to get finished, possibly in this fight. Uh, but I want the underdog points. I need them. But uh, I'm going to go with Shane Burgos. Are you? Yeah. After that whole preamble. Mm-hmm. Oh man. Yeah, I'm going to go with Shane Burgos. I'm going to go Shane Bur- Burgos, second round TKO. Yeah. The only person, like, uh, when you mentioned about the records that uh, Burgos has lost to is Calvin Cater, which you guys have seen. He's uh, definitely risen up to the top. And the only person the Emmett's lost to is a big, guy the, a big guy in the division, Jeremy Stevens. Yeah. I mean, those that particular fight was the one he got his face destroyed. He got multiple, like, uh, orbital breaking and, like, his skull. He had a skull fracture. It was very bad from the Jeremy Stevens loss. Um, Lamas was a good knockout victory. Michael Johnson, I mean, we've seen the tale of two or three rounds with him. Michael Johnson was winning on the on the scorecards, and then Josh Emmett put him to sleep. So, um, you know, Masad Bektik, that fight was, like, more of a, I guess, evenly matched, kind of had to show his grit long-term in the fight. Um, but, yeah, I personally feel like that the reason the stats for Burgos are so good in terms of the takedown defense and stuff like that and takedown accuracy is because he hardly ever throws him. He's more of like a um, sprawling brawl kind of guy, but he's gigantic, like gigantic for the division. So he's very, very, very difficult to take down, um, even in the later parts of the fight. So that's uh, a testament to the fact that he beat Kurt Hollibaugh, who is also very big for the division and is a very good grappler and wrestler. So Shane Burgos uh, is not... 
it's no surprise. It's no question on what he's going to be trying to do. He's trying to keep it on the feet and put your lights out. And um, Emmett, I, although I do feel like he hits really hard, uh, like you said, um, I feel like most of his power is generated by his speed. And uh, he's the faster fighter. And he's got more footwork, more movement. He, like he, he executes more movement. Not, not to say he's got better footwork because I think Shane Burgos has good footwork, but he just doesn't do it as much. He doesn't. He, he likes to stand more in front of you and try to kind of go to war. So I feel like Josh Emmett has got a couple different paths to victory where um, Burgos only has one. So I'm going to go with Josh Emmett. I'm going to go safe. I'm going to go with the decision. I feel like he could have something very, very quick uh, be able to catch Burgos, but because of how big he is, he's, he's shown to have a granite chin in this division that I just don't feel like he's going to get put to sleep. And although if he catches uh, Emmett with something clean, that's going to change the complexion, put him on the back foot and can eventually end up, you know, being the end of, of Josh in this fight. So there's a lot of risk involved. Uh, I was going to go with him before I realized or I saw that he was the underdog. So it makes it even sweeter. So Josh Emmett by unanimous decision. You, wait, you know, Shane's the underdog, right? <laughs> No, we just looked it up. I thought Shane Shane was the underdog. I just told you. The plus money is the underdog. Oh. Yeah. I'm going with Josh Emmett. Oh. Okay. I'm going with Josh Emmett, man. I first I'm just, I need underdog points, man. I know you said that and then you went with Shane, which uh, is why uh, I was for confused. For some reason I thought Shane was the underdog, which I was confused. Yep. No, no, uh, Josh Emmett. I'm gonna say second round TKO Josh Emmett. Right. Um Boom. Sorry, guys. <laughs> but I need an underdog. It didn't matter who, the, who whoever the underdog, because they're both so close in this fight, but Josh Emmett, to my heart, is, uh, is one of my favorite fighters to watch. So, um, And he's coming back after a while, so I think he's going to... He's going to have something to prove, man. I don't think Josh will be able to get him down, but I think maybe threatening up on the cage, a little bit of grappling yeah. just to slow the fight down, get that lactic acid in Shane's big-ass yeah. fucking arms, and then be the quicker, yeah. fresher fighter yeah, down I'm the just stretch. saying Josh Emmett's, uh likes that overhand, so I'm hoping it connects on the on sure. the, in that 5'11 chin. He's fast, bro. Yeah, so we'll see. Yeah. You know, and uh, Josh Emmett, compared to the the people that Josh Emmett's faced have been a little higher, like Ricardo Lamas, and you got you got Jeremy Stevens here win over Johnson. I mean, you got Cater, a uh, lost Cater, and you got a win over Swanson, but when it comes to talent, I just slightly go to the to the left towards uh, Josh Emmett on the experience field on who he's fought. But, I mean, Shane Berg was 13-1, but Josh Emmett's 15-2. Very similar, similar records. Josh Emmett only has two more fights than Shane Burgos. But, um, you know, I'm excited to see this fight. I think this one's going to be interesting. All right, well, it brings us to the women's flyweight division, the happy warrior, Roxanne Modafferi, coming off of, uh, was a unanimous decision win over Macy Barber. Yeah. Uh, wow. coming, and then she's taking on Lauren Murphy. And like we kind of said earlier, we're big fans of Roxanne Modafferi. We just like her personality here. Mm-hmm. She's, she's a nice woman. She's she's paid her dues. She's got a, like a very, very extensive uh, mixed martial arts record. She's been around the block. And it's kind of like Jorge or a couple of the people that have been paying their dues for years to finally kind of start getting their stride and, and get the notoriety and the fans that they but, you know, they probably always, they all deserve fans. So, anyways, Roxanne Monteferi is taking on Lauren Murphy with a 24-16-0 record, taking on 12-4 and in Lauren Murphy. Uh, why don't you give us your breakdown and prediction for this one, brother? Well, I want to see Roxanne win. Who's the underdog? Uh, that's right, uh, Murphy's the underdog. We talked about this earlier. Yeah. Um, it's not a huge, it's minus 100 to plus, or minus 120 plus 100. Oh, man. You know, honestly, I'm just going to go based on... Uh, Roxanne and her experience and who she's fought, man. 
I'm going to say Roxanne's going to win it. I think she's going to win it just by taking her down and smothering her and just making it a dog fight. I think she's going to be overwhelming for Lauren Murphy. She's going to make it gritty. I'm going to say Roxanne Montefiore, unanimous decision. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely going with Roxanne as well. But let me take a look at this. That's right. She beat Andrea Lee in her last fight, which I was extremely surprised with uh, the outcome of that fight. And if you look at the significant strikes uh, stats here, it looks like Andrea Lee outstruck her. So it was a split. So it was a split decision. So I'd have to go back and take a look at that one. But wait, 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 wait. You're looking at Andrea Lee versus. Laura Murphy. Laura Murphy. Yeah. Oh, you're talking about Murphy. Okay, I'm checking out her, her opponent. So yeah, and then so she's coming off of two win streak. Lauren Murphy is uh, Mira, Bro- Mira, Mira Romero Barella and Andrea Lee. So um, she got a little bit of momentum there. I feel like she. This is like a grappler's uh, delight. I feel like both ladies are gonna be a little less technical than we've seen lately, you know, in, in the striking department, but they're both excellent grapplers, both excellent on the, on the floor, not only in like the jiu-jitsu and submission game, but just an overall uh, position and, and ground and pound and things like that. So I think in fact, Roxanne, if you've watched her fight to fight recently, and I use this term kind of coming into your stride and putting things together, I feel like her striking is actually being noticeably improving over yeah, the course of everything. the last few fights. I think fights. just her as a martial artist is improving. <laughs> exactly, you can see it with her body type, with her with her frame, with her or how lean she is. She's definitely her energy, her the way she moves. It's just. Uh, yeah, she's hit another gear, so I'm excited totally. for her to hopefully have another uh, step up in uh, in skills and in talent from the last fight to this one. And if that's the case, then I feel like we're we're you know we're in for a relatively evenly matched fight. So again, I feel like I agree with you that it's probably going to go to the decision. I'm worried about Lauren's heavy hands maybe potentially catching Roxanne because she does have some defensive liabilities on the feet. However, she's tough as nails. She won't quit. So Roxanne Montefiore. Unanimous decision as well, coming from me. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And then, uh, let's see. So you want to pick the Clay Guida Bobby Green fight? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Let's see. Let's take a look at the stats here, gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and germs. Ladies and gentlemen. Where are they? There they are. If you match up, Clay Guida versus Bobby Green. You know, I always like watching Clay fight, just watching his hair bobble around and him doing all this crazy head movement and just fucking energize your buddy. But you know, he's also older, so oh, that, they have the same movement. average fight time of twelve twenty six. So most likely, uh, man. But you know, he hasn't fought in a while. It's, it's funny; his last loss was actually to Miller, who's also in this card. Mm-hmm. Uh, lost. Oh man, they're both kind of. Oh, he, he beat BJ Penn. That was his last win. Mm-hmm. That's washed. Lost BJ. to Jakar Close. Lost to Trinaldo. Veneta. Uh, hmm. Uh, man, I you know, Bobby Green has uh, finished a few opponents. He's got power in those hands for being a a lightweight. Uh, Clay Guida's a little older. I don't know how, what kind of shape he's going to be in coming into this fight. Um, you know, I can say the same thing, though, for Bobby Green. Um, I'm going to say Bobby Green, unanimous decision. Yeah, I don't know how to pick this fight because if Clay Guida comes in with the energy he normally comes in with, Bobby Green's very got very good takedown defense. He's a he was an excellent wrestler growing up in high school, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's like you said, known for his power, known for putting people out. He he loves to box people up, and so I feel like you know sprawling brawl is going to be his game plan. And Clay Guida, man, he just doesn't he doesn't relent. He's got an iron chin he's, too. So he still. Sta- yeah, that's true. The only time he was. Uh, 
finished recently was, like you said, to Jim Miller. He was uh, submitted. So Clay Guida typically doesn't get KO'd, and he doesn't relent. He stays on those hips. He just keeps diving for doubles and singles, and he just keeps coming at you. And Bobby Green is, you know, I hate saying this about people because they're professional athletes, but he's he's known to kind of have uh, conditioning issues later in the fight. It, maybe it's partially kind of like the Conor McGregor effect where he's so explosive and the punches are so powerful earlier on in the fight that, you know, if they miss and or if they don't put you away, then now your energy bar is down and, and you have lesser less power. To, I don't know. So Clay Guida could very easily do the, what Clay Guida likes to do and grind the shit out of Bobby Green, even if there's not a lot of damage, just kind of control him up against the fence, control him potentially with a few takedowns and on edge out a couple rounds so I, it's difficult for me to score it's either for me you pick Bobby Green by decision I see it either Clay Guida by decision or Bobby Green puts away Clay Guida in some way shape or form so um as of now my early prediction which I reserve the right to switch up until the point of the fight I'm gonna go Clay Guida by, uh, by a decision by unanimous decision so and okay. let's, do we have the odds on that one let's see here I assume yeah he's the underdog Clay Guida is so we'll see how that goes Okay. Okay. Clay Green is the underdog. So that's three, so we should pick two more. Which one do you want? Oh, oh under... You want to pick two more on the... Regardless. No, regardless the of where, where they are. We got to do Curtis Blades, obviously. Obviously. And the uh, let's do Jim Miller and Roosevelt Roberts. Boom. Go. One, two, three, go. Uh, Jim Miller versus Roosevelt Roberts. Jim Miller, obviously, being the veteran that he is. And he's fun to watch, man. But uh, I'm going to have to go with Roosevelt Roberts here. Um, you know, he's only 10 and one, he's young, he's fresh. Um, and he is, you know, I wouldn't say he has, you know, his, he's on a two fight win streak. All right. That's so funny. And Jim Miller. Okay. I already mentioned that earlier. Jim Miller, obviously his last win was to click Guida. His last loss, which was his last fight was to Holtzman. Um, let's see, um, how though. Roosevelt Roberts is winning his fights because that's a, a big a determination on how I choose the method of well, victory. Well, we saw here. how he won his last fight. Yes, yeah, submission <laughs> rear naked choke. Um, it was a unanimous decision versus uh, Alexander Yokolev. Uh, unanimous decision versus Thomas Gifford. And he's facing a veteran. So, you know, I don't see Jim being finished. I'm going to say unanimous decision, Roosevelt Roberts. Yeah, this is tough. The five eight to six two, and uh, I guess he only has a two inch reach advantage. But facing a veteran like that, this is probably gonna be his toughest fight, unless Jim Miller's conditioning is whack, and or, or his age really plays a factor. Um, I feel like Jim Miller is. is done better in the later stages of his career than I agree than a lot of others at that point and and you know he's a tough out for anybody on any given night yeah I just what I'm wondering is if cause the framework like we saw Roosevelt Roberts he had that submission right and then um he's obviously has very very quick hands um his, his strikes and are long because he, he's like lanky you know what I mean in terms of his body type and his frame so that's why I immediately wanted to see the height and the reach and because I feel like Jim Miller, having the veteran savvy, he's actually really good everywhere, like really good everywhere. But if Roosevelt Roberts' speed timing and is able to keep him on the outside in terms of his strikes and or rough night. those same limbs, those same long, lanky limbs can assist you in terms of submissions. They're like thinner blades to deep under the chin and things like that. So although I would never question and never think that Jim Miller would be getting submitted, um, there's a chance, and then the elbows cut as well. It could be established by cut. So, Roosevelt Roberts, although when you look at the two records, you're like, okay, Jim Miller's got him, you know, dead to rights. There's no way this 
kid with only 11 fights is going to beat Jim Miller. Well, if you saw how he took out Brock Weaver, you saw how sharp he looked, and you saw how well he looked both on the feet and on the ground, it makes sense that uh, this could be a tough matchup for anybody. I'm going to go with the veteran, though. I'm gonna, it's a little bit of a heart play, but I'm going to go with the veteran. And I'm going to say, since it's a quick turnaround, let's... Uh, I'll go Jim Miller with a decision as well. I don't think he's going to get the... Fuck it. No. Jim, I'm going to go with my original thought. Jim Miller, third round submission. submission. Yes. Yeah, sir. I was thinking if Jim could... If he can get him tired, if he can get him down and get some control. I, I think this guy's just too young, too fresh. He's going to be He's going to be uh, quicker and His sharper. reflexes, yeah. Did you see how fast he was throwing his right hand against Brock Weaver? You know, so... That might just put out Jim and for the first time. Like you said, like I don't see Jim getting put out because he's vet. But then if an upcoming prospect does put him out, then it's like, oh, damn, you know, look, yeah. at, look at that. But so. based on, you know, his 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 last few fights and who he's been fighting, he's not really putting anyone out in the beginning. These are lower-level guys. Sure. So I don't see him. I definitely don't see him putting out uh, uh, Jim Miller. So, uh, yeah. So, all right. So uh, this gives me an opportunity to catch up in points. That's for sure, man. Oh, man. Oh, Lyman Good. I know we're not going to call that, but that's that giant. That's that's that huge dude, huh? He's yes. yoked. Yeah, I remember yeah. him. Yeah, I don't even want to call that because I don't know that's going to go. But that leaves us to the last fight we're going to call, guys. The main event. This one's going to be exciting. And when I mean exciting, I think it's going to be exciting to watch Curtis Blades finish Alexander Volkov. Curtis Blades is on a tear, man. Um, and Curtis Blades is all his. He he's a natural wrestler, right? He he he's an excellent grappler. That's his roots, man. But he's been really finishing people on the feet, man. Alexander Volkov is obviously not someone to sleep on, man. He was an up-and-comer for a while. He, they were looking at him for being a, a, a top championship contender. Um, It's just, you know, when I watch Blades fight, the power, the explosiveness, the adjustments he makes, uh, man, I feel like it's just going to be overwhelming for Alexander Volkov. Um, so let's let's just go back here. Let's see this matchup here. Obviously, guys, they're fighting at heavyweight. Um, so the record is Curtis Blades, 13-2, one no contest, and Alexander Volkov, who's very, very, very well experienced with an actual uh, a quite phenomenal record, 31-7. and seven. Uh, Average fight time, though, for Alexander Volkov is 15 minutes, which means he's usually going all three rounds mm -hmm. if it's not a main event, mm -hmm. um, versus Curtis Blades, 9-15. Curtis Blades has been in a few main events, as well as Al Alexander Volkov. Um, uh, but, you know... Curtis Blades is quite the finisher. Uh, the last fight that Alexander Volkov had was against Win uh, uh, versus Hardy, but um, you know, Hardy was. Um, I don't know. Hardy's an up-and-comer. Hardy's, <laughs> Hardy's an up-and-comer. You know, that was a big test, but that was also kind of a big understatement. Not understatement, but kind of like a, here, Alexander. Let's see how you do with Hardy. I, I obviously, you know, for me, it's kind of like a step down for Alexander Volkov. Yeah, it was interesting that like we were mostly talking about how Greg Hardy didn't get finished versus how well Alexander beat his ass. Yeah. You know what I mean? He got a unanimous decision, but won we, every round. Yes, but when we look at Curtis Blades and who he's last fought, win versus Overeem. Last loss was to Ninganu, and Ninganu is just a force to be reckoned with. No one wants to call him out other than John Jones, and that didn't go anywhere because John Jones is currently upset with the UFC. Um, got a win over Willis, a win over Aberdeen, Nailed it. All right. But the last win, last fight he had was Dos Santos. And Dos Santos has been looking good. And he won in a, in a, in a great fashion. I believe it was by knockout. So Curtis Blades, 
I just feel like he's on a tear. I think he's going to be the next champion. I think he's going to... Man, I just think his grappling is there, but his striking, he's just one punch and you're gone. Uh, Alexander is good, uh, well-rounded, but I don't think his grappling is up to date with Curtis Blades. I think Curtis Blades is going to be the much stronger opponent, the much more powerful opponent. The only way I see Alexander really winning is just keeping range and distance and, and kind of picking the shots like he did with Hardy. But Curtis Blades makes good adjustments. I think he's much more experienced than Greg Hardy, that's for sure. Um, and you know what? I For some reason, I, I think uh, Alexander is going to get TKO'd. So I'm going to say... Uh, I'm going to say third round TKO uh, Curtis Blades. I'm going to go with the TKO here. I, I feel like it's going to be that. So well, look at his fucking record to your point. TKO, TKO by it, elbows, TKO just, by elbows, TKO, yeah. TKO punch, TKO by elbows, <laughs> TKO punch. He's, he's just killing people, man. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, Volkov is just a uh, decision. I mean, Volkov definitely has knockout power, but... Um, I just think uh, the hype is real behind Curtis Blades. For real. Uh, you know, Volkov was a contender a, a couple months ago, or I'm sorry, like a year or two ago, but now Curtis Blades, is, I think, is just relevant. He's active. He's he's looking sharp. He's looking good. And I think uh, he's a little bit fresher, a little bit younger. And he's a big guy, man. Yeah. I mean, obviously, Alexander's a taller guy at 6'7", but Curtis Blades is just a big, strong, powerful animal. He has a great IQ, makes good adjustments, uh, and he can put you out at any second. I think it's going to be a real big problem for Alexander. So I yeah. just think Curtis Blades right now is uh, he's a force to be reckoned with. I think it's his time. So I'm yeah. my heart's with Curtis Blades, third round TKO. 100% dark horse of the vision. I mean, ostensibly, if you look at his record, his only losses have been to Francis Ngannou both those times early in the fights as well. But um, if you look at Volkov's record, Although, as you pointed out, you know, he was definitely working his way up the ranks and more of a notable contender, uh, you know, a year, year and a half ago. But even even looking at who he's faced in comparison, like strength of schedule. Yeah, he's got a win over Verdum when Verdum was Verdum, you know, not that recent version we've seen. Yeah, but um, that was still the end towards the end of Verdum's career. Like he wasn't champion anymore. And he then he's got a win over Stefan Struve, Roy Nelson and Tim Johnson. So not that there's anything wrong with these guys, but in the heavyweight division, at least as of late, like you said, Greg Hardy's, you know, you know, some of that new blood and new breed, but like he, he doesn't have even in his, in his rise, a long list of what we consider to be some of the best heavyweight fighters yeah. ever in the division. He doesn't the have the accolades nor experience of, of who Curtis has fought, nor as he is, has he won in the fashion against the type of opponents Curtis exactly. Blades has fought the Plus, way Curtis Blades has won. So a lot of that 31 and seven record is, you know, in other promotions and it's, it's full MMA record. But, um, I think Curtis Blades, to your point, I, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. I think he's one of the big, most uh, under, um, what's the, underestimated fighters in any division, and um, he's he's one of those. He's like uh, I don't know another person to give example, but he's one of those people that just has to keep winning, and he's this is like a stay busy fight for him because he's been looked over for a championship opportunity multiple multiple times. There's been a lot of shit that's gone down for him, so he's just one of those guys that's got to sit back, continue to win, and keep proving that he's the best until they. So they can't deny him. And, uh, yeah, I'm really high on Curtis Blades. I think he's going to finish this guy as well. I think he's probably going to finish him on the ground, um, hurt him on the feet, take him yeah, down, and pound exactly him out. Right, so you said third round, so I'll go. I think if fuck. it goes, like, fourth or fifth, they're both going to be pretty tired. I'll go first round. 
Yeah. I'll just All go right. first round because it's when they're fresh. Maybe you can catch them with something hard and just finish them quick. Um, because otherwise, I feel like you're right. Third round is like the, the sweet spot. Too late is maybe he's too tired to even finish or too early. is You know what I'm saying? So I'll go I'll go early just to be to, just to be different. I'll go first round, TKO, Curtis Blades. But that does it for this week, guys. That wraps up the card. So make sure to stay tuned for next week when we break down all the outcomes and all break down everything that happened on this card, as well as we'll be giving our predictions and breakdowns for next week's card. It's a banging card, a lot of interesting matchups. It's headlined by Dustin Poirier taking on Dan Hooker. That's Saturday, June 27th, so don't miss that one. Um, but thanks again for checking us out. Make sure to go to Apple and iTunes if you enjoyed the show and leave us a five-star rating and review. We always appreciate that when you do. We'll make sure to read them on the show as well. And whilst you're also supporting us, make sure to support all your local small businesses including strong women designs uh, dream loud collections neighborhood auto care oc party rental seizures make sure to get yourself a water slide bounce house uh, as well as my tea if you guys want to read up on your turmeric tonic hit me up thanks again nate always appreciate when you help me out with the show brother it means a lot to me and last but not least make sure to not miss out on mt fitness go back open one in operation come down get yourself punched in the face uh, off Avery Parkway, uh, 5 Freeway with the first class is free. We'd love to see you down there. Um, and thanks for being here once, once again. Uh, but that's it, man. We're done. I'm through. We'll see you guys next week. Take care. Peace.